This is Rachel Richards, and you're on the Relationships and Revenue Show with John Hewlin. This is Relationships and Revenue, the show where real answers come from real discussions about what holds men back in their relationships at home and in business. A better bottom line at work means improving life at home. This show is all about helping you become a better entrepreneur and a better man. Welcome everyone to the Relationships and Revenue Show. I am your host, John Hewlin, and I am thrilled to have as my guest today, Rachel Richards. Rachel, how are you? Hey, John, I'm great. How are you? Doing fantastic, doing fantastic. Well, everybody, I want to tell you a little bit about Rachel. She is a financial guru, to say the least. Not only that, she is an author, she's a real estate investor, she's a speaker, she's an entrepreneur, but she has one more title that I think she'll agree with me is her number one title, and that is wife. <laughs> yes, that's right. <laughs> now, that sounds impressive, but let me give you something else that's even more impressive about Rachel. She's so good at being that financial guru that last year, 2019, she retired. Yes, you heard me right. She retired with bringing in more than $10,000 a month in passive income in order to retire. Now, Rachel, that's pretty dang impressive. Thanks, John. I never thought I could do it at such a young age, but um, so it's been quite an interesting journey. Absolutely. Now, you've written two books, is that correct? Yep, that's right. Okay, and we've got Money, Honey, and then we've got Passive Income, Assertive Retirement. Does that sound right? I can, I can see at least one of the books behind you. <laughs> yeah, right. It's, so it's Passive Income, Aggressive Retirement. Aggressive Retirement. There you go. So now everybody, you don't know this yet, but I'm going to go ahead and tell you, if you listen all the way to the end, there's going to be a surprise. So please listen all the way to the end. And for those of you who are listening and not able to watch this, one of Rachel's books is in a bookcase behind her. So that's why you're not <laughs> seeing that. <laughs> Rachel has also been featured in some amazing places. Oh, I don't know, something like the New York Times, uh, the Penny Hoarder, Wirecutter, and just, there's so many more. I'm not sure I could list all of them, but I know everybody know those three for sure. So now that we've said a little bit about who you are, Rachel, can you give us a little bit of an idea of where you started and how you got to where you are now? Absolutely. Uh, for as long as I can remember, I've been obsessed with learning about personal finance. So I was that kid in middle school reading books about it while all the other kids were, you know, playing like normal kids do. <laughs> and um, throughout high school and college, I became this go-to person. Everyone came to me for financial advice. I did become a financial advisor at one point. I did that for about a year before moving on in my career. Um, but throughout all of my reading and self-educating, I realized that real estate investing was something I wanted to do because to me, it's one of the best tools for building long-term wealth. So I always had this goal to invest in rental properties. Okay. Um, I, 
I started investing in 2017. My, my then boyfriend, now husband, and I, we bought our first duplex together. Uh, later that year, I wrote and published my first book. And since then, we had those two passive income streams. We had rental income and royalty income. And we focused on growing those as much as possible. So over the next couple years, we kept acquiring properties. I wrote my second book and published it. Um, now we have six properties in Louisville, Kentucky. It's about 38 units total or 38 doors. And um, I, I have both of my books now. I have my online course. In the rental income, we make anywhere from seven to 12,000 a month um, in any given month, except for right now, of course, during the coronavirus crisis, the rental income has been impacted. And then my book income, my royalty income, uh, in February, I just had my first $7,000 month. So that's a little, that's a high overview of where we are now. Gotcha. Okay. Well, you happen to bring up where we are right now in dealing with the coronavirus pandemic. So how has that impacted? You said that it wasn't impacting your rental properties. How so? The rental income that we were bringing in has been severely impacted because tenants are not able to pay rent, tenants are behind on rent, and we're working with everybody as best as we can because we want this to work out. We want to keep our tenants in their, you know, in their houses, um, and we want it to be a long-term relationship. But you know, whereas before we were making on average 10k a month just from the rental income, I think in April we made thousand dollars. Now most people would be very concerned about that. The thing is, there are a lot of landlords that are a lot worse off than me, but there are a lot that are doing better than me. The way I see it is if my worst case scenario is I break even for a few months, then that is great to me. You know, I'm not losing money. I'm totally fine with that. And what I like to talk about is this concept of income diversification. You know, a lot of people think, oh, if I'm a full-time salaried employee, I have job security. I have income stability. That's safe. And to me, if you're 100% dependent on a single source of income, that's not safe because what happens if you get fired or laid off or your hours get reduced, then your income is gone. So that's why I love to have income diversification, which just means that you have income coming in from multiple different sources. The reason I'm not freaking out right now that my rental income is down by $9,000 is because we have all these other income streams keeping us afloat. So we're able to weather these storms a lot better. And I think anyone can do it. Anyone can build multiple income streams and diversify themselves and really protect their financial income. Okay. So you brought something up that I find very interesting. Uh, this whole idea of having multiple streams of revenue coming in, even if you are traditionally employed, like you are an employee working for a large company. So if someone were to say, okay, Rachel, I've been an employee for 10, 15 years for somebody else. This is pretty much the only money I've ever had coming in. I like what you're saying, but I have no idea where to start. Where would somebody start? Yeah. I would say if somebody is looking to build passive income specifically, and just to define that, passive income is money that is earned with little to no ongoing effort. So things like rental income and royalty income, maybe you have to put in a couple hours a week to maintain it, but it's certainly nothing like a nine to five job. Mm -hmm. So if somebody is looking to build passive income, the first thing to ask yourself is, do I have more time or do I have more money? Because passive income takes either time or money or both to create. 
And then once you get it built and you kind of get it going, then it becomes very hands-off. Now, if you're like me and I had asked myself that question, I would have been like, well, I have neither, right? <laughs> so the next question to ask yourself is, well, which, which is going to be easier to create? Is it going to be easier to free up time or will it, will it be easier to create more money? Mm-hmm. When I started my journey, both my husband and I were fully employed. And so, you know, we didn't have a ton of time. We had some money. So we kind of had a combination of both. We realized we could spend part of our weekends, part of our evenings working on, you know, doing side hustles, building up passive income. So that's the way we went about it. Oh, okay. Nice. So give the listeners uh, some ideas, especially ones who have never approached this idea of passive income before, just some possibilities out there, maybe like a, like a top three or a top five that would be available to them, specifically for folks like you were describing who have no experience and they're not sure, you know, do I have more money or time sort of thing? Oh, absolutely. So in my book, Passive Income Aggressive Retirement, I actually outlined 28 different passive income ideas. So trust me when I say there is something out there for everybody. And the great news is you don't have to do all of them. You just have to find one or two or three that work and just and just focus on increasing those as much as possible. So a few ideas, there's some, you know, big categories that I break it down into. Royalty income is one of them. So think about publishing a book, um, publishing an online course. There's something called print on demand where you can design um, designs to go on products like shirts, mugs, tote bags. And anytime that product sells, you get paid a royalty. I love that one because it's so beautiful because you're not having this inventory risk. You don't carry inventory. They're made to order. So that one's great. I've personally done that one before. Um, Then, you know, there's obviously portfolio income. That one's a little bit more well-known. The thing with that, though, is it takes so much money to generate any meaningful income from investing. You know, you have to have millions of dollars. So I didn't start with that one. I'm hoping to eventually move into that one more, but you definitely have to have that upfront money to make that work. Um, Then there's also coin-operated machines. So think about things like vending machines or ATMs or coin-operated laundry machines that you can put in buildings. All you basically do is go around and collect the money, restock any supplies, and that's it. And even that part can be outsourced if you're comfortable with that. Hmm. So those are a few. I could go on and on, but those are a few different unique passive income ideas. Very cool. Very cool. Okay. I like that. I'm digging that. All right. Well, one of the things that we talk about often in this show, as you can tell by the name, is relationships. Um, Now, the audience here is mostly men, but not exclusively men. And what we emphasize often around here is how to improve our most significant relationships, both at home and at work. So with that thought in mind, uh, give us an idea of what it's like for you to create relationships with clients and or potential clients. Okay, absolutely. And I'm, I love talking about this. So I'm so glad you asked me, John. Um, you know, anytime I am approaching a new relationship or I'm networking or I'm working with a client, you have to have the mindset of giving first and not asking for anything in return. You know, the relationships that I've developed through networking that have become really solid relationships over time, I approach those with how can I add value to this person? What can I do to improve their life? And I didn't expect anything in return. Now, obviously, you know, overall, it's nice if somebody, you know, if you do something for somebody and they're like, well, what can I do for you? That's great. But you really can't approach the relationship that way. You have to be totally selfless, 
totally into giving to them and adding value to them. And when you approach somebody like that, they know that you're not the scammy salesperson. They're not, that you're not just trying to take advantage of them or just see what you can get from them. And you're just really starting the relationship off on the right foot. So that's my biggest piece of advice. Seek to give value to others rather than to get value from others. Okay. So it's about providing value for other people and not expecting anything in return. So give the listeners an example in your world of how you do that. Absolutely. So I can give a couple examples. Great. One thing I always try to do, because I have an, an email newsletter that goes out to thousands of my readers, I'm always trying to deliver value without asking for anything in return. So, you know, lately I haven't been doing things like selling them on my new book or selling them on my new course or asking for a review on my new book. I'm simply creating a newsletter that will give such value to them that they're going to want to check out my products and my offerings. So I, you know, I tell funny stories, I give anecdotes, I teach real succinct financial lessons. Um, I give little bonus downloads and content. That's the kind of thing that I do. And that has fostered a really great newsletter relationship over time. Another example is, you know, if I'm ever listening to a podcast and I just, I just want to connect with the podcast host, or I just think they're an awesome person mm -hmm. and I want to reach out to them, I will leave them a five-star review and then take a screenshot of it and email it to them. And I'll just say, Hey, I just listened to your podcast. I just wanted to say thank you. you. You've really brought value to my life. And I just wanted to let you know, I appreciate you sharing your gifts with the world. Here's my five-star review. Thank you so much. And that's all I'll do. Sometimes they'll respond and they'll say, wow, thanks. You know, tell me a little bit more about you. Mm -hmm. um, and sometimes they won't respond or, you know, it's a different variety of responses, but that's all I do. And it starts the relationship off on the right foot. Very nice. I want to interject something here, listeners. This is really, really important. And Rachel brought up a good point. And that is when somebody reaches out and connects with you, especially if they're doing it, doing a PM. So it doesn't matter what platform it's on, Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, LinkedIn, doesn't matter. Always, always, always respond to direct messages from people. Now, if you don't have time to type out everything that you want to say, all of them have a terrific feature where you can leave a voice message and do that. In fact, there's been some, a couple of pretty big influencers that I reached out to, not expecting anything back from them at all, just to say how much I appreciated them and what they're contributing to the world in general. And then I had some specific things to mention to them. Every single one of them has responded back to me with a personal message. Either they typed it out or they gave me a voice message. So that's something you definitely should do. Oh, I love that's such great advice. I make a point to do that for every single email that I get. Sometimes it takes me a couple of days, but you mm -hmm. know, people are taking the time to reach out to you. And it's just, to me, it's just common courtesy to respond. Oh, it absolutely is. It absolutely is. So now that we've talked a little bit about how relationships work in your business, now let's get to your most important relationship. And that's with your husband. So how has the fact that you are an entrepreneur impacted your relationship with your husband? Um, I'm so glad you asked because I have learned so much over the past few years about protecting my most important relationship and protecting my marriage. And we've learned some hard lessons together. Being an entrepreneur, it can be 
so difficult. Um, when I first quit my job, I was actually a little bit afraid to quit my job because I was thinking, well, what if I just sleep in and I'm lazy and I don't do anything all day? Mm. And I guess I just didn't know myself very well because the opposite happened and I became an even bigger workaholic. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> That's what happens when you're an entrepreneur. All of a sudden you go from working 40 hour a week, mm. weeks to 80 hour weeks, right? Yeah. Um, I realized that without the boundary of physically driving to and from work, it was harder for me to create those boundaries at home. It was harder for me to have a stopping point because there wasn't, I wasn't moving from one physical location to another. I didn't have that trigger. Mm -hmm. So yeah, it became very much the scenario where I was working way too much. My husband was working way too much. We did not prioritize each other. We hardly spent quality time together. We hardly had meaningful conversations and this went on for quite a long time. Um, Actually, I got into such a bad place with all that that I developed some anxiety and mm -hmm. I didn't learn how to overcome that until I attended a conference run by Hal Elrod, which he's a, I'm a big fan of his. He's the author of The Miracle Morning mm -hmm. and he talked about, you know, what are your life values? And the thing is, my husband and I always talk about our life values. We talk about how the most important things are our health, our family, and our freedom. Those are our life values. The thing is though, We were saying that, but we weren't actually doing that. Mm. We realized we were, we were just hypocrites. We were saying, oh yeah, my health is the most important. My family is the most important. And in the meantime, we weren't taking care of ourselves. We weren't taking care of each other. So I listened to Hel Elrod go through the same thing. He's, he's talked publicly about his anxiety. And he said, I wanted to commit to living completely in alignment with my most important values. Mm. So he talked about cutting out all the things that were not in complete alignment. I mean, he canceled speaking contracts when his school, when his kids' school schedules came out and he wanted to be home with them over fall break or spring break. Mm. So it was very courageous and touching to watch that. When I came home, I did this life-changing exercise with my husband. We listed out all of the different ways we spent our time, whether it was literally sleeping or eating or meditation or working or being on social media. And then in columns next to those, we listed our three values, health, family, and freedom. Okay. And we went down this list one by one and we put a check mark next to anything that was needing or adding to those values. Oh, okay. And we just left it blank if it was, you know, detracting from those values or not adding to it. It was so interesting to see the results of this piece of paper we came up with because there were some things that had check marks all the way across mm -hmm. and there were some things that had nothing. And it became very clear which activities we needed to either eliminate or cut back on so that we could truly live in complete alignment with our values. So that's what we did. We stopped watching TV. We stopped doing other things. We reduced our time on social media. And the beautiful thing that happened is the hour of TV watching we were doing every night before going to bed was replaced by genuine quality time with one another. Nice. We would read together, we would learn, we would have meaningful conversations. And there hasn't been anything that we've done besides that, that has had a more profound impact on our marriage. So I highly recommend that exercise. I think it can truly change things in your relationship for the better. Nice. Now listeners, I want you to understand what Rachel's talking about. She applied that to her marriage, but it doesn't have to be just that relationship. It can be your relationship with your kids, if you have kids. It can be with a very close friend. Uh, it could be with other family members. Again, finding those things that aren't helping you in that relationship and minimizing or completely eliminating those things from your relationships. Yes, exactly. That's a great point. 
All right, Rachel. You mentioned earlier to me before we started recording that you have something pretty significant to share with the listeners today. And I would love for you to share that right now. Oh, my, my freebie? Is that what you're talking about? Yes. Okay, so my I'm going to offer the audience my my free bonus kit. It's about passive income and it's totally free to download. So I'm going to offer that to your listeners. So if you go to moneyhoneyrachel.com slash bonus, you can download a passive income bonus kit that tells you, you know, how to start creating passive income, deadly mistakes to avoid free tools and resources. So it's a great bonus kit that you guys can download. Oh, that's fantastic. Thank you so much for being so generous. Yes. And we will be sure to include that in the show notes, folks. So don't feel like if you're out on a run and you're listening to this, don't stop to write it down. It'll be in the show notes. You'll be able to check it out. No problem there. Now, this seems like a good place to introduce this idea. So I will let everyone know this. This is pretty far along in our conversation. We've got a little bit more, but not too much. And that is the very first person, the very first person who listens to this takes a screenshot of you listening to this and you post it on your favorite social network doesn't matter which one it is to me you have to tag me and Rachel in it if you tag both of us and tell us what you thought about the episode today you will get a signed copy of the book that she just mentioned yay that's right, folks. And just so you know, this is on my dime. I'm buying the book, so it's no problem for you. So it's free to you. And once we're able to get that, I'll get back in contact with you, get your information, be able to have Rachel send it directly to you because if she's willing to do this, I'll have her personally sign it for you. Absolutely. Thank you so much, John. That's so generous. I can't wait to see who the winner is. Oh, yeah. It'll be very, very exciting. So again... I'm not going to mention this again, so if, if that's what you want, if you're the first one to do that, we will definitely get that book to you, and I will also give you a shout out on the very next episode. Awesome. All right. Let's see. Now, what, would you, what recommendations would you make, Rachel, to someone who says, you know, I want to try this idea of passive income, or they've just said, you know what? I want to do what you did, Rachel. I want to leave that one major source of income behind because I know there's something different and better out there, especially in light of this whole coronavirus thing and my employment's kind of up in the air anyway. So what recommendations would you make to someone who either is a brand new entrepreneur or is even thinking about it? There's a piece of advice that's given to entrepreneurs, whether they're new or they're about to become one. And I really disagree with it. And the advice is this. People say, quit your job and take a leap of faith and the net will appear, right? <laughs> and I, I think that's just risky. I think that is ill-advised. Um, I, I, you know, I started... Yeah, foolish. Thank you. I started creating my passive income streams when I was working full time. Both my husband and I were working full time, 40, 50 hour weeks. We were acquiring rental properties. I was writing my books. We were starting another passive income business. So again, you know, you have to be careful that you didn't become workaholics and work 80 hours a week like we did. But financially, that's the best decision because you can really try things out on the side and see if they're actually viable. 
and make sure they're actually going to make you money. So my goal when I was going to quit my job, because I wanted out as well, I wanted to be my own boss and become an entrepreneur. I said, I'm not going to quit until I fully replace my income from my full-time job. Mm-hmm. Now at the time I was a senior financial analyst making $90,000 a year. Okay. So that's, that's a lot of income to replace. Right. But yeah. I was pretty determined to get to that. And in 2019 or 2018, I forget now, but I did reach that. And the funny thing is I didn't quit right away. I was just still too scared. Um, <laughs> we finally got to the point where we were making $10,000 a month in passive income. And that's when I decided to quit. Mm-hmm. So that happened last year at age 27. And I'm so glad I did it that way because if you do it that way, then you're not going to have the pressure to create income and to try all these different things. And when you're in that situation where you don't have income and you're, you want to be an entrepreneur, then you're really acting out of sort of desperation and panic. And that's not the way to start a business. So I highly recommend, you know, don't just quit your job. Don't just take the leap of faith. Have a plan in place. Have an exit strategy. Have a goal in mind of the revenue that you want to be making from your business before you quit your job. And I promise everything will be so much easier. You'll be so glad you did it that way. Absolutely. Absolutely. All right, Rachel, I've got one more question for you before we get to our final four. And the question revolves around managing money in your relationships. Can you just tell us a little bit more about how we would even approach that? Absolutely. Communication is key. And ideally, you're going to start having these conversations well before you get engaged, well before you get married. My husband and I approached this by having as many conversations about it as possible. So, you know, on long car rides or when we were bored, you know, whenever we could, we would just bring up the subject of money. I would ask him, hey, what happened in your childhood? What memories do you have around money from your childhood? Mm. How were you raised? What did your parents do with their money? What did you learn from them? And so we talked everything from childhood all the way up to the present day. You know, we asked each other, what sorts of debts are you in? What, What income are you making? We wanted to make sure we knew everything about the financial situation before going into this relationship. Um, Not just, not that it would have changed anything, but we just wanted to be fully aware and have all of the knowledge. That way, if there was a problem, if one of us had a big debt, we could begin to come up with a plan to tackle it together. Now, another thing you're going to want to talk about is how are you going to combine or not combine your finances once you get engaged or married? Mm -hmm. Because different couples do different things. And at the end of the day, whatever works best for you works best for you. You don't have to try to do something just because everyone else is doing it. I came into the relationship. I'm a very independent and, you know, protective of my finances. So I had always thought I'm never going to combine finances with anybody. I'm going to keep everything separate. That's how I was going to operate. Now that would have worked for me at one point, but what I realized coming into my marriage, and this is just a personal epiphany I had, this isn't going to be the same for everybody. But I just realized, you know, if I truly want to view our marriage as a team effort and what's yours is mine and we're in this together, I realized I needed to overcome that financial barrier for me to be comfortable and secure in my marriage. So after having probably hundreds of talks about the way we were going to approach this, we eventually decided, you know what, we're going to combine everything. Everything's going to be together. We're going to jointly own everything. We're in this together. We're a team for life. And that's the way that I mentally wanted to approach it. So that's what we ended up doing. And again, there's no right or wrong. All you have to do is have those conversations and know what your game plan is going to be. You know, it's interesting that there is definitely an element of psychology that goes into money. And one of the things that when you were talking that made me think about was 
how many people I have known in the past who have decided, now this is probably more for people who have second and third marriages rather than first ones about keeping the finances separate. And, and every single time that I've asked people about that as to the why, um, almost always they jump right to, well, if we, that's, I always heard that. Well, if we get divorced, if things don't work out, that kind of thing, like for, for me, for my way of thinking, it's like, you've already doomed the relationship from the beginning because you're thinking that way. Yeah. Don't so, give yourself that option. Right. Just view it as that's not an option. We are a team and we're going to go through this, you know, thick and thin all the way, you know, good times and bad. That's what we talk about when we get married. Now that's, that's more of a discussion for another time. I realize everybody, <laughs> but the folks who listen to this know how I feel about this. Um, a, a phrase that I like to use to describe myself is I am the most pro marriage divorce guy you'll ever meet. <laughs> that, that actually is true. So I love that. All right. Let's wrap up with our final four. Just four quick ones. Just tell me the first thing that pops in your head. Okay. Okay. Now understand this very first question. Um, it may be harder to answer, but just try as best you can. Okay. I'll do my best. All right. Why did God create Rachel? Um, okay. So this, something that this person, David Osborne said popped into my head, he's a real estate mogul. And he okay. made the point one time that real estate is a means to an end. Um, and that our, our dreams normally have some type of financial component to them. So if I can help people realis with real estate investing or with their finances, mm -hmm. then in a way I'm helping them achieve their dreams. And that's why I think I'm here. Okay. You're here to help people achieve their dreams. Yes. Okay, great. All right. Number two, what are you reading or listening to right now? I'm reading, I'm reading this book called um, Surely You're Joking, Mr. Feynman. And it was a book that was recommended by Tim Ferriss and by a lot of the guests that he's had on this podcast. It's really cute so far, and I like it a lot. Um, and then in terms of what am I listening to, I'm always listening to podcasts. Um, one of my favorite money-oriented ones is The Conscious Millionaire by Marcus mm -hmm. Aurelius Anderson and J.B. Croom. They are amazing. And I was actually lucky to be um, interviewed by Marcus Aurelius Anderson on the podcast. So it's, it's now become one of my favorites. He's, he's awesome, and his guests are great, too. Very cool. Okay. What's your favorite thing to do with your hubby? Hiking. That's part of the reason we moved to Colorado. We want to climb all of the mountains. <laughs> That's right. Now I got to tell you folks, I looked at her Facebook feed and in the very recent past within this last week, they definitely were taking some awesome pictures of walking around in the mountains. Yeah. <laughs> we're pretty obsessed. I could see that. It looks very fun. Thanks. Last question. What are you most grateful for? I am most grateful for my health. I go back to my values when I think about that. My health and my family. Those are my two most important values. Um, and you know, it's, it's something I always have to remind myself of. I've been suffering from back pain for about a year. I sprained my ankle six months ago, but 
in light of that though, I mean, I'm, there's still so much to be grateful for. It's like, can I still walk? Yes. Can I still hike? Yes. Then I don't have anything to complain about. So that's something I'm grateful for. And then obviously my, my family, my husband, my dog, my mom, my sisters, my dad. Um, so grateful. I've, I'm so lucky to have all of them in my life and to be so close to all of them. Nice. That's fantastic. Is there anything else, any final parting words that you have for our listeners today, Rachel? Uh, I guess I'll leave you guys with this. I truly think and encourage you to think this way. Financial independence is attainable for everybody. Anyone at any age and on any income can absolutely attain financial independence and retire early. That's fantastic. Thanks, Rachel, so much for joining us today. We're thrilled that you chose to spend some time with us and listeners. I hope you go out there, find Rachel online, Go grab her book. I know you can get it on Amazon. We'll be sure to include links in the show notes. You'll be able to do that. And this is going to be edited out. This is me. Screwing up. This is me screwing up. So, <laughs> so Ethan, who is my son, I know you're listening to this, Ethan. Edit this part out. <laughs> All right. Now I'm going to get back into it. Now, like we say every time, listeners, always remember this. Passion gets you started. Purpose keeps you going. Have a great day. Bye, everybody. Thanks for listening to Relationships and Revenue. I'd love to get your thoughts on the show. Two ways you can do that are to give us a rate and review and or connect with me on social media. You can find me at John Hewlin. Thanks again for listening. And remember, passion gets you started. Purpose keeps you going. Have a great day, and we'll see you next time. Bye.